Super Vegan Brian, Special Mikey cannot be here today, but I am here with Hindu Anthony. Hey, Anthony, how's it going? What's up, Buttercup? How was Antarctica looking for the base from John Carpenter's The Thing? Oh, it sucked. I got sick. Now, did it make it? Did Did you like get off course and get sick because you haven't seen the movie? Um, that's probably what happened. I definitely haven't seen that movie. <laughs> you what a shocker Hindu Anthony hasn't seen a movie stop the presses I, I think you would really like John Carpenter's The Thing it's one, of, it's one of the best horror movies ever made there's a lot of movies that I haven't seen that everyone tells me you would like that movie it's really you so I haven't seen them <laughs> it, John Carpenter's The Thing is Lovecraftian it's got body horror it's got paranoia it's it's just a great film it just sounds pretty interesting and yeah, it's look, really good best. well that and all the aliens are practical effects oh like very those times when people didn't have cgi yes. yeah but i mean imagine if a movie had so this is one of the reasons why it's so good they kept on having delays in production so they had unlimited time to work on their practical effects yeah they weren't rushed so they have amazing practical effects. It's actually a Kurt Russell movie. Huh. I don't have to explain who that is, do I? Nope. Yay. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yes. Um, so we're continuing our Star Trek discussion from next week. And we're probably going to have to add like a bookend next week so the three of us can talk about Star Trek. Because Michael couldn't make it. And Michael wanted to talk about Dolphins on the Enterprise, which is an episode I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Dolphins on the Enterprise? Yeah. He, he made me write it down to bring it up. So maybe we'll talk about with whatever we talk about next week. We'll bring up Dolphins at the Enter on the Enterprise at the beginning just to find out what that's all about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Dolphins on the Enterprise. I don't know. Um, but first, before we get talking about Star Trek, we have to play our weekly game. What's nerdy with you? Where um, I was going to say the three of us, where we, we both share the nerdiest thing we did this week, and then we vote to see who won. I don't think it's a contest this week. I think I'm going to win, and not because I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, because that's not my nerdy thing. I'll go first. So my girlfriend Heather and I, she's going to be in a, in a Pathfinder game that I'm running. We had some free time one night. She, she's been needing to build her characters, and she wanted some help. I called her up, and I said, hey, do you want to build a ranger? And Heather goes... <laughs> Do you want to build a ranger? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, do you want to build a ranger? Or maybe shoot some bows? Or go to weapon fighting and decimate your foes? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you made an impromptu. Oh, we do that all the time. Her and I do that all the time. That's adorable. Oh, yeah. you guys are adorable. So that's my nerdy thing this week. That's that's it. That's the big. The that's big thing. the big. I I win. I'm serious. That's you good can't come up with anything to beat that. You have to try though. You can't say I'm not gonna because Brian's is too good. I probably can't. I'll be honest. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the listeners could decide. So I haven't done this for a while because I've just been busy with baby stuff. It's really hard taking care of a baby by yourself. <laughs> Who knew? It can be so difficult. Um, so the thing I did do, though, that I actually had time this week to do was uh, I started painting again. So I started painting some new 40K models. Oh, I'm so hyped. Oh, my God. I told Michael about this special, Mikey, that the, there's a new release out for the Warhammer 40K 8th edition. comes out in June. I'm so excited. Was that the thing you posted about on our Facebook page? Yes. What did you mean by... They're not doing Cortex books anymore because I don't play the game. So I didn't know what that meant. Is it Cortex? It's just a Codex. Codex. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. What did you mean by they're not doing code? You probably said Codex, but I, I confuse words. So what, what did you mean by so, that? So here's how 40K works. Um, 
you have to have the general rule book, which just tells you the general rules. Like, this is how movement works. This is how shooting works. This is how the psychic phase works. Blah, 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 blah. And then each and every single army has their own codex book, which gives even more detailed rules for each army. Like, Tyranids. Okay, here's the Tyranids. Here are their special rules. Here are the points in which they sometimes even break the core rules. And it gives rules for special characters um all the units how many points they cost because the game's uh, a point-based system basically it's a way to keep things fair so let's say we're playing a thousand point game you bring an army that's worth a thousand points i bring an army that's worth a thousand points and the codex determines how much points something costs they're supposedly going to be getting rid of codexes not like they're going to be getting rid of point costs but they're going to get rid of having to buy them. We don't know what they're replacing them with. They might be doing what Age of Sigmar, which was, which is another game they do, does called uh, War Scrolls, which are just basically PDFs of all that information you can download for free. So it means that it will lower the cost of playing the hobby. Let's see. Right now, how much books you need to play my army would be the core rulebook, the Chaos Space Ring Codex, I also then have the Chaos Space Marine um, Trader Legion book, which is another like added supplemental rules on top of the rules on top of the other rules. And those three books together cost like probably close to three hundred dollars. Oh, so now it's going to be a lot cheaper if they're getting rid of Codex books. Well, they're also going to be making the core rules free. They've never done that before. The core rules cost a lot. The seventh edition core rules cost like a hundred dollars, up to two hundred dollars if you get the special edition. Oh goodness! And I thought D and D was expensive. Yeah, gets gets expensive. It gets right. well, really expensive. Well, you know what? My nerdy thing was cute, but what you just all that stuff you just said was the nerdiest goddamn thing I ever heard. So I'm voting for you. <laughs> but my nerdy thing technically was painting. <laughs> still, it it that's the whole backstory of the game. I'm still voting for you. Okay, I'll vote for me then, too, so I can be a jerk and win. (laughs) Yay! I've played point-based games before. I I like where you have resources, and I I don't remember what game it was, though, because there were some collector card games that were like that, that were point-based. There was a a minis game. Oh, I don't remember. I think it was called Chainmail, an old D&D minis game called Chainmail that was point-based. I used to play that. Oh, okay. Uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they're, they're, the way they tally up points just totally doesn't make sense. Because something might be like, this thing's worth this many points. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's another model that's worth that many points that does so much more. So your guys' math is a little off. <laughs> so before we get to the topic, you want my non-spoiler take on um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Uh, yes, you know I do. It was good. What an amazing take. I found it to be very, very funny. I found it to be as enjoyable as the first movie, but not as much of a masterpiece as the first movie. Okay. So it was as fun, but it wasn't like it didn't have the panache. It had a a bit of a sequel feel to it. I read a, a friend of mine wrote a review online about it, and he described that it just had it felt like it tried too hard in places. What I thought was, it was like they tried to make every single scene funny, including scenes that didn't really need to be. Like scenes that probably maybe shouldn't be funny. Yeah, like there were characters making jokes that was just like, I I don't get why. Hmm. But still a good movie, so. I mean, it got an 81% Rotten Tomatoes, so it's still really great, everyone. Yeah, it was really good. It's it was totally amazing. I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm not even going to describe it as worth seeing. I'm going to describe it as you have to see it. And if you haven't seen Guardians 1 yet, see that then see it because yeah, it's really seriously. good. The first uh, Guardians, oh my god. I was so surprised because I was never I was one of those people that everyone knows I'm not like super big into comics, so I never really knew anything about Guardians because they're not one of the big like they're not the poster Marvel like characters. You know, they are now, but they weren't before. I was really big into Guardians, and I knew who they were. I didn't read the comics. See, I didn't. Like, I had no idea who they were at all. So I'm like, what the fuck is this movie they're making? I go to watch it, and I'm like, holy shit, that's the best thing ever. I, I had a little bit more familiarity because they were featured in the cartoons. As right. as far as my review of the movie goes, I'm a nerd podcaster, so I have to be a little hard on it. But it's an amazing movie. 
it's an amazing movie. So I have to pick on some of its faults, but all movies have faults, except for Guardians 1. It didn't really have any. I don't know. I think it might have had some faults. Like <laughs> at the end. Oh, you know, at the, maybe at the just... end of Guardians 1? Tell me, tell me what you think its fault was, and then we'll talk about Star Trek. Okay, okay. So he's doing his dance thing, right? Yeah. Dancing, dancing. Okay. And the dude, like, he has this super amazing, I can destroy the world with this stick thing. And he just stands there and just doesn't go like, pa-pow! Why not? Like, every movie does this with every bad guy. I get it. You know, you know, the bad guy tells the super long monologue, or the bad guy gets stopped by some kind of diversion that really shouldn't be diverting his attention. But it's still kind of a bit of a like a, a, a plot hole. One of the things about Guardians was is Guardians throughout the entire movie, it picks on tropes. It actually it's sort of self-referential versus tropes. And okay. the whole at the end of the movie, the whole distracting him with the dance off thing. I mean, yeah, distracting the bad guy is a trope. But doing it that way had never been done before. That's the point. I mean, it wasn't bad. It's not like it ruined the movie. I thought it was hilarious. It was a really funny part of it. But yeah, I guess uh, you're right. No flaws. No well, flaws. I've, I've <laughs> talked to a lot of people who are like that about bad guys. It's just like I hate movies with bad guys because bad guys are always stupid. And it's like, yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> because that's why we watch fantasy movies. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantasy. Well, as my grandfather says, it was written in the plot. <laughs> so. We are talking about Star Trek today. Um, I you you probably haven't had a chance to listen to the Star Trek episode yet. So, um, Michael and I talked about our favorite series. We talked about um, Michael talked about Voyager, and I talked about Deep Space Nine. So, what is your favorite series of Star Trek? Okay, I gotta give I gotta give a really quick mention for Voyager though, because I have watched at least season two of it. Captain Janeway, oh my god. She has my heart. That's fine. That's pretty much it. Captain Janeway is amazing. But uh, <laughs> uh, actually, oddly enough, my favorite because I'm, this is probably because I've only seen Next Generation and Voyager and I haven't seen all of Voyager. Next Generation, though, is my favorite. I mean, I just really like Captain Picard. He's he's such a cool hero. And then the character of Data adds such a really interesting philosophical dilemma to the entire show many times that I find it very I find the episodes where they ask those very deep questions very intriguing and very much worth thinking about afterwards. It was just a very thoughtful show. I am so glad that you mentioned Next Generation because we didn't talk about it at all last week. Yeah. What's so your favorite it's... character? Why would you do that to me? <laughs> um, uh, I'm probably going to be the lame one that everyone like says this. Uh, I, uh, I honestly like Data. I really do. I like that whole like trying to be human but not quite getting it all the way kind of story. I don't know if Data is everybody's favorite character. Really? A lot of I people. Think, like- well, I think he's one of the more interesting characters on the show. He's definitely not my favorite. I guess um, most Picard. I don't pick Picard either. Really? Um, Why not? Oh, Picard's okay. He's a good captain. I always liked him better than Kirk, um, but I liked Kirk. No, my favorite my favorite character is Riker. I like Riker a lot. Riker, um, number one. I like I, I just loved how he was more of the more human characters on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked him better um, season three on. I mean, he was very one dimensional in season one and two. Yeah, he wasn't written the best in the first two seasons, but he definitely he definitely um, had a good character development as the show went on. I don't know if it was character development. It was almost like his acting choices changed. It was like they changed a lot. It it just it, it was like the character didn't it was it wasn't like the character developed into something. It was like they just decided to do the character in a different way. Hmm. That's a good point. But I mean it was good that they made those changes because if they had kept him the same way, I don't think it would have his character would not have been very entertaining throughout the entire show at all. If Michael was here, I know what he would say. Oh, <laughs> it's the beard. It's the beard. The beard yeah. did it all. <laughs> yeah, it definitely upped his handsome level for sure. For sure. I'm actually growing a beard right now. How's that going I'm for hoping. you? Um, it's slow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty slow. I'm hoping oh, well, it'll work for me. We're going to need pictures of that. 
I I gotta I gotta come out to see in Santa Ana soon. Yeah. Unless we have you sent somewhere in the world, because you know that's a real thing that our podcast does. Yeah, we definitely do that. <laughs> so, what's your favorite episode of Star Trek: Next Generation? I think I really liked the episode where they were debating whether or not Data is a human, or not human, but whether or not he counts as a life. Oh, when when the that guy was going to take um, take ownership of him, they were going to take him mm-hmm. back to Earth or something like that. I don't yeah. remember the details. We talked about this last time that I'm real fuzzy on Star Trek. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like I've seen all the episodes, but it's been a while. I, I'm not oh, okay. I'm not a detail-oriented Star Trek nerd. I think one of my favorites was Q-Who, where Q showed up and took the entire ship out to the Gamma Quadrant, and they ran into the into the uh, Q, to the Borg for the first time. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was interesting. Q's always fucking up that. The crew in that show. He's a, he's another interesting character. The idea of having a reoccurring godlike character was really cool. You know what? Do you ever in any of the other um in any of the other series see other um people of his race? Because Q is supposed to be one of like a lot, right? There was an episode where he was. There were a couple like that. There was one where he was banished. And they talked about the other Q. Um, yeah, Spanish from the Q Collective. Yeah, um, Q Continuum. Continuum. That yeah, there we go. And there was another episode where there was like a Q hybrid. Um, it was like, or I don't remember if it was a hybrid or if it was two people, two people from the Q Continuum defected to Earth as human, and they had a daughter, and she was coming mm-hmm. into her abilities, and Q had to show up and get her, get her to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I actually remember that episode. That was actually um, a little sad. I have to say my all-time favorite episode was actually introduced to me by my old workmate, Troy, who um, he told me about it. So I looked it up and watched it because I didn't remember it. It was um, Dharma, where there's a race that has a language that can't be understood by the translator. Yeah, that and was interesting. They, they end up figuring out that they're... The race speaks in metaphor. Yeah. So yeah. So you I, can't take anything you say literally. Yeah. The the whole idea of and then you have to use the metaphor to interpret any sentence. So you have to be familiar with their history in order to be able to understand their language. Well, there's a lot of things you have to be familiar with more than just history. I mean, history, the the particular culture as things advance because metaphors, you know, changes as time goes on so like they'd have like an ever-evolving language that would constantly be in a flux of constant change every like so many generations so it'd be that would be very difficult for translators to keep up did you did you ever see the episode where um picard is captured by the cardassians yeah and he's being tortured with like the five lights kind of thing yeah that the whole idea of him being reprogrammed and, you know, how oh. many lights are there and then torturing him to be able to say that there's less lights than there are. He almost had him at the end, too. Yeah, that was He's just right a it. chilling episode. That was a dark episode. That was fucking dark. Yeah, the Cardassians, they're, uh, they're an interesting lot for sure. But well, I'm sure you guys talked all about them during the Voyager episode. No, we never really brought them up. We talked a little bit about the Dominion War, but we didn't really talk about Cardassians. What do you got to t- say about Cardassians? Not a fan of them, obviously. I don't think most people are. And I don't mean not a fan of like the race or, or the like the characterization. I think they're I think they are a very good addition to the plot. But I mean like if I met them in real life, I think I'd be like, Your your society is kind of kind of um the way you handle things isn't very nice at all. I don't think I like the way you treat other people. <laughs> My idea about the Cardassians was like Oh, we're at peace with the Klingons now. We got to come up with a new Klingon. Hmm. That's that's how I always felt about him. It was like they had to create another race that had a philosophy, and I always thought that it would be better to focus more on the Romulans. Yeah, to create a whole new race. But Cardassians were quite scary. Yeah, they're pretty ruthless. New, really break it down. They they were. I mean, they were the main bad guys on Deep Space Nine. See, I haven't seen Deep Space Nine yet, so I wouldn't know. 
I should see Deep Space Nine now. I, I've heard mixed things. I heard some people hate it and some people love it. Maybe I can actually go a little bit deeper into something that we talked about last week. I described Deep Space Nine as being anti-Roddenberry. Deep Space Nine was created after Roddenberry's passing. One of the reasons why Roddenberry had a rule that you couldn't have conflict between you couldn't have conflict between Federation members or members of the crew. And Deep Space Nine introduced real-world problems where there was intercrew conflict and stuff like that. Because it was an outpost and there were a lot of non-Federation people on it, so there was potential for a lot of conflict that couldn't have happened on a Star Trek show before. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think that would like, imp- like, add to, the, to, the, to its story, or do you think maybe it detracted? Yeah, I, no, I think it added to it amazingly. And I, and, and I thought it, since you were able to have conflict, you were able to have more deeper relationships between the crew. Deep Space Nine also introduced the dirty side of the Federation where not everything was necessarily good all the time. You also had, you know, they were, there were a lot of capitalistic uh, cultures on the Enterprise. So it wasn't, I, I mean, on the deep, on the Deep Space Nine outpost. So it wasn't all, um, it wasn't all utopian like Star Trek is. Yeah, that is something very um, strange. I noticed about a lot of the the you know the exploring Star Trek is kind of like you know Voyager, Next Generation, the original series. Since you're also like since everything's based so much in the space and the exploring, you don't get to see very much of what's going on like behind the scenes, like what's going on on Earth, what's going on on all the outposts, what's going on on all the planets the Federation owns, and it always makes me wonder like. Okay, so how does this society function? I, I'm very curious about the human society. I mean, they're obviously very they they appear very socialist, but it makes me wonder, like, okay, well, how does this socialist utopian society function though? There's been a lot of talk online about Star Trek, and it's like one of my favorite things about Star Trek is when people say that the culture in Star Trek isn't utopian. It's not even dystopian, it's evil. Uh-oh. And the the evidence behind that is just because it, it's a real simple argument. This is this is an argument that can be probably countered pretty easily, but it's a pretty simple argument that where we're always presented the utopian from being on a spaceship and being in a culture on an exploring spaceship. But yeah, you're where, looking at through the eyes of the like the the cream of the crop, the best group of people. Yeah, but any time on the show where they introduce a commander and an admiral or someone like that. In the original series and the next generation, the Federation officers were always dickbags. They were always hmm. awful, evil people with with plots every single time. So yeah. the only real face of the rest of the Federation you see is these plotting political bastards. Hmm. So the, it, it, like I said, it's a weak argument. It's false logic, basically saying that if – the only federation we ever see are evil bastards. That means all of them are. But you don't see a lot of the faces anyways. They don't show up very often. No, they don't show up very often. It's just narratively, it makes sense that every time they show up, it's going to cause problems for the ship. So you need to create conflict. And so an an outside group is always creating conflict. I don't know. It's just so interesting. Makes you really think like, what's going on on Earth? What's that like? I can't think of his name right now, but what did you think of Worf's son? He was a very odd addition, but I think he really helped humanize Worf a bit because Worf was always this very, um, he was just a very different character from the rest of the crew. Obviously his culture was like vastly different than the rest and seeing him have a kid, especially a kid that was being raised around humans. So he kind of started to like, he, he was kind of in this mix between the Klingon culture and the human culture. And that made Worf have to really consider the things he did and said, because he wasn't raising a fully, a kid that was going to be fully engrossed in the Klingon culture. And I think that was a good character development for the Worf character. I'm not sure if the kid was developed as well, but Worf, I, I think it helped Worf's character. Alexander. That's his name. So that's pretty three, much my take on it. Three quarters Klingon, one quarter human. Mm-hmm. Just just from the perspective of having a child as a, a as an often reoccurring character on the show, I thought it added the human factor to the ship and made it you realize that there were families on this ship. So you got to experience a lot of that with him going to school and him having 
episodes where you saw the show from his eyes. So this is so I want to apologize to our listeners because we're going to we're talking about Star Trek episodes very vaguely. We're not experts. So I hope this is <laughs> I hope this is really interesting to you. You know, we're here to talk about the things we like to have fun talking about them. It's if you don't like this episode, I apologize because I'm going to talk about the vaguest thing ever now. Did know. you did you see the episode where it was all focused on very low level members of the crew? Yes. I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like they're 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 playing poker games and they're all like it it's like bookended by poker games and they there's this big plot going on on the show in the background and you're seeing it from the perspective of people who ha- don't have a clue what's going on and they're super low level members of the crew. Yeah, they're just doing their everyday grunt work kind of job. Now, I don't know if that's a common thing for Star Trek, but I think for like a lot of um, kind of hero fantasy kind of shows and movies, that's very uncommon to peel away from the from the heroic crew to focus on the little grunts. And I really enjoy when uh, shows do things like that. It really gives you a new view into how things are seen from other perspectives, especially how the heroes themselves are viewed, because oftentimes we only get to see them from the glorious light that the director and the writers want you to see. You got to think that, you know, for every episode of Star Trek, there's probably like thousands of days that go by where nothing, nothing heroic or crazy really happens. Just okay, we're we're flying through space and oh, look, there's a planet. Okay, going on. You also get to neat, see neat scenes like them trying to schmooze with the senior officers and failing miserably. <laughs> the, oh, okay, so I'm going to make up for it. The name of the episodes was Lower Decks. The Lower Decks. It was a season seven episode. I thought, it was, I thought it was entertaining. I recommend that one. Put that on your like top five episodes to watch if you haven't seen a lot of episodes of Star Trek Next Generation or you just want to remember some of the episodes you saw a long time ago. That's a really good one. I've seen all of Next Generation, actually, so except for not the movie. I know. I need to watch that. <laughs> Next Gen is one of those shows that I've seen all the episodes, but one will pop on and I'll be like, I don't remember this episode at all. Happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of long. I, I'm not sure if the other Star Trek season uh, shows are as long as Next Generation, but it is pretty long. So a lot of the episodes do kind of um get brushed aside or maybe you just your memory just can't bank that much information i do remember i think the first episode that just totally threw me off that i was like whoa i can't believe that fucking happened was um the season one with the the evil black monster i think it's this uh, let me look it up the skin of evil was the episode yeah we're we're um tashiar got killed yeah that was so crazy i was like they just killed off a main character in the first season (laughs) what the fuck I mean, in in the era of Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead, that's pretty standard nowadays. But I bet back then that was just like that probably threw everyone for a giant tailspin. And the character itself, the the evil muck monster, whatever the hell you want to call it, was just such a weird, just alien life form. It, It was just basically evil personified. It just it didn't want anything else but to cause harm and do damage it was and i thought that thing was very lovecraftian too yeah and it just had these really crazy super like powers that you're just like you don't even know how it got them or you don't see any other of its kind ever in any other episode that's the first and last time you ever see it so i don't even know if it breeds but it was just a very weird just it was a very alien alien like it's literally just a black goo what did you think of the return of Tashiar? That was interesting. I found it very, very fun that they decided to bring her back all of a sudden at the end. I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Well, they, brought her back actually- in, they brought her back in season three for one episode, but she yeah. still existed in the universe. The whole alternate timeline thing I really liked. Yeah. We were Especially talking about that alternate timeline things were just sucking really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this war, this universe sucks. There's a lot of war and we're not winning. <laughs> that was Yesterday's Enterprise, season three, episode 15. Uh, the episode you mentioned earlier about uh, Data fighting for his rights. 
was The Measure of a Man, Season 2, Episode 9. You know what? That makes me wonder, then. Do you think Data was a sentient being? No. No? No, I think he was just a very well-programmed computer. I don't think he, he ever attained self-sentience. Mm. I, I don't I'm know. It's a show. <laughs> it's a show. I don't know. I'm not... It, it it could be either way. It just depended on how the writers wanted to lead, what direction they wanted to lead him week by week. Uh, so more like a plot device kind of thing. Yeah. I One of my favorite inconsistencies with Data was they mentioned in one episode where if he fell into water, he would sink like a stone mm-hmm. and the water would interfere with his circuitry. And then in a movie later on, they fell into water and Data goes, my body doubles as a flotation device. <laughs> Uh, see, I haven't seen the movie, so I wouldn't have known about that. But now I'll know about that. Now I'll know about the inconsistency. You you just YouTube data inconsistencies on Star Trek because there's a lot. I bet there is. Just ending with the joke that in one of the earlier episodes, he, he mentions that he never ages. And then there's a before and after picture of him in the first season and him in the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You know what? Speaking of Data, okay, this is this was a really good episode. The episode when Data got a girlfriend, the one where he when when he got a girlfriend. Yeah. All right, explain. You seriously don't remember that? So there's this one female crew member who was um, I, I don't know she she wasn't a main character. She was just a crew member. I don't even think you see her ever again. Data, I think was like talking to her. She was talking to him, and I don't know. And he's just. Being Data, he's being nice. He complimented her about things. I think she was kind of feeling a little sad because her ex-boyfriend had left her or something like that. And so, you know, he's being Data, being nice, complimenting her and just saying nice things. And she kind of falls in love with him, which is really strange. But yeah. And so Data decides, okay, well, I guess I'll try this out. You know, romance is something that humans experience. And if I want to be more human, I need to experience it. So he tries to go on go on a date with her i think they end up dating for a little bit and it was just very strange because they kind of start dating and data obviously is totally anatomically correct you can have sex and do all these things we we know this definitely because of you know yar but yeah data has a girlfriend and then it doesn't work out obviously because he doesn't do anything naturally obviously he's doing everything that he thinks a boyfriend should do so you know complimenting her cooking for her all these things but he's not doing it in like the oh i'm a natural boyfriend doing these things the normal human way it's more of oh i read this book that says that this is how romance should be and oh i read this thing that says romance should be this way and oh these people told me this is how romance works and she kind of realizes like this isn't going to work and then they break up and that's the end of the episode i don't remember that at all i i remember the episode where data had a daughter Yes, that was a good one. Oh, that was a great one, actually. And she achieves sentience. She does. Which was kind of (laughs) interesting. Yeah, just a bit how she got it, but he didn't. That that brings up all sci-fi ideas about like the singularity and stuff, about how robots will Uh create the next generation of robots who are better. And we um, last week we talked about Brent Spiner on Star Trek Enterprise. Brent Spiner is the actor who plays Data. The episode is called In Theory. That's the episode when he has a girlfriend. Oh, okay. That was a good one. I, I, I mean, that that's one I got to see. I, I'm confused. <laughs> I'll I fix all this in editing. <laughs> it's a fun episode, too. Just seeing Data with a girlfriend. So you're not you're not familiar with the original series at all? No. Like I've I don't think I've seen a single episode, to be honest. Oh, we'll have to we'll have to like set up some watches and then do another episode on the original series at some point with like your perspective on the original series. And so I'm not so fuzzy. I mean, they have hippies on the enterprise at some point. I've heard some of the episodes and like things that happened, but yeah, I never saw it. I could easily go on Netflix and watch it. It's a really good show. And we, we had some requests from listeners to talk about it. And it's like, I guess we're just the wrong generation to talk about. Maybe we got to get a listener who's a real big fan (laughs) to talk about it. So see if I can find somebody who wants to be on the show who can really get into it. I bet you Rusty is real familiar with Star Trek. He sounds like he would Probably. be. So I always hear this. Okay, a lot of people always say, 
you know, like when they're asked, like, what's your favorite episode, favorite Captain blah, blah, or favorite show, blah, blah. And a lot of people gen- generally tend to say the, like, Captain Picard, but original generation. So what was wrong with Captain Kirk that he isn't everyone's favorite? And what was so great about the original show that, like, everyone picks that one as their favorite? Or should I, I just watch it was, and find out? I think it was because it was first. It has... It's where all the traditional ideas of Star Trek were first introduced. And also, Kirk, Bones, and Spock were like a powerhouse trinity of characters, where they're just really good actors. DeForest Kelly, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, they were wonderful, and they did a really good job playing their roles. I mean, not to discount any of the other actors on on Star Trek, but I think that those three just created an amazing show. They they anchored the show together. Mm. There were really cool dynamics. Like it, the original series of Star Trek, it wasn't a stale show. It got light and funny sometimes. And quite often. I mean, there were there were light points in every episode. It 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 was a lot less serious show than than Next Generation. Next Generation lightened up later seasons. Yeah, the Next Generation was a pretty serious show for most of it honestly because i think the whole idea was to make it feel more like it was the real world in the future they really wanted to update it and it took a while for the show to find its stride yeah the later seasons are definitely better than the than the earlier seasons not that the earlier seasons were bad i thought the earlier seasons of next generation were just were pretty good but the later ones were great that's where it got really good especially when the borg gets involved oh man the borg really stirred shit up so we were going to talk about movies this week, but Michael couldn't be here. And yeah. you're not real familiar with the movies except for the new ones. I'm so bad with movies. It's terrible. I should just have like a whole week where I just do nothing but watch movies and catch up so, so that I, people can leave me alone. I'm going to talk about the movies a little bit. Say Star Trek 1 is really good movie, but it's hard to talk <laughs> about because if you haven't seen it, a lot of – the enjoyment of the movie comes from the surprises. So you can't really tell people. It's fun because of this. Oh, wait, that's a spoiler. And Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is amazing because it's a sequel to an original series episode. Wait, Khan, so you made a movie based around one entire episode? Yeah, Khan is a character who was in the original series, and the whole thing is yeah. his revenge for what happened. That's so – I thought Khan was a way more reoccurring character because he seemed I, – I, I don't know anything about him, obviously. But with how everyone talks about him and how they did the whole movie, I thought he was kind of the reoccurring bad guy in the original series. So you tell no, me he, was, he only shows up once? He's in one episode. That's what? That's now, crazy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm, but I'm pretty darn sure. Yeah. He, I didn't he, know he, that. Look at that. I'm learning something, people. Let's see. Khan Noonien Singh was in – one episode, yeah. Jeez. And then they insane. did the movie. And the huh. same actor played him. I just, the only thing I know and I remember is, Khan! <laughs> yeah, one of the thing, one of the big criticisms of Star Trek Into Darkness, spoiler alert, Star Trek Into Darkness had Khan in the movie, and they yeah. made a big freaking deal about it. But if you weren't familiar with the Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan or Star Trek or Khan from the original series, you wouldn't have a clue what the hell they were talking about. Mm. Like, like the reactions of Kirk to the reaction of Kirk to Khan when Khan was like, my name is Khan, all dramatic. Like he should have been like, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's a good point. Especially since, you know, it's an alternate timeline. So he wouldn't have known him. So the entire drama of the movie was based around the nostalgia of the character. Even though it didn't logically make sense, a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of people were really upset that it got during the production of that movie. It got leaked that Benjamin Cumberbatch was playing Khan, and J.J. Abrams lied about it. He was like, "There's no, he's not," and they like made a big deal about it, and, like made it super like it got leaked, and they were and there were all these theories, and he was like, "No, no, 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 no." So when it was finally revealed that he was Khan in the movie, it was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> you lied to us. Thanks. Um, what do you think about the new movies? I think JJ Abrams oh, did a good them. job or I okay. love them. I I don't think I but I've never been 
a traditionalist where if you remake something, you have to keep it the same. I don't care. I, I just, I like the new movies. I probably would like the new movies if I wasn't familiar with Star Trek. You know, I think there's a lot more people who like them who aren't familiar with Star Trek than there are. I, I think a lot of the super fans get really upset about things like that. There's actually something I wanted to bring up that came up based on our Facebook wall um, that's similar. There is a lot of hate for the Dark Tower movie. Okay. And it's all coming from people who read the books. People are saying, this is going to be awful, and there's no way it could possibly be anything like it. I can't believe they're making it. I'm like, well, I haven't seen the book, so I'll love it probably. <laughs> well, the first book, it would it, be very hard to get it wrong because you're not even getting into the – you're not even getting into the big Dark Tower story yet. That's kind of the first book's more like the prologue, to be honest, because things don't really start to ramp up into the actual story of what's really going on to like book two. So I think they'll I think the first movie will be just fine. I, I don't I don't see how they could mess it up unless they just go way off the way, way the hell off onto left field. But just, I don't know, follow the book and you'll be fine. It's it's not even that complicated of a story. They might try to add in more of a plot or maybe they might try to add in some of the plot from the other books into it. And that might be OK. I think it'll be a fine movie. They have good actors in it. It looks it looks like it'll be great. The trailer looks pretty awesome. I, I think that just to relate it back to Star Trek, it's like whenever they remake anything, I just try to separate myself from and just lose my expectations. So I'm not like, yeah, the attitude I kind of have when I see one of those movies is I go, it's going to be different. It's probably going to be completely different. Appreciate it as a movie. And if they and if they mention things I have a nostalgia for, I can appreciate that. Yeah. And then. Then you also come in the problem with the rose tinted glasses kind of thing of you're you're remembering things from a time when you were younger, you were more naive and things were just cooler to you. And now you're looking at it as an adult, you know, someone who's kind of grown up, gotten more mature. You may be a little bit more judgmental about things. Oh, so yeah. You're going to have so you're going to have these opinions that you couldn't have possibly had as a kid. And it's going to totally affect your enjoyment of things. I was one of those people that when I saw the new Star Trek movie and I saw how they explained it, how it's an alternate timeline, I went, oh, that's a really great way to do that. Now they can do whatever they want. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah I thought, I thought like, that was now interesting. They, now they can do whatever they want and they can make it a whole separate thing. And I went, oh, I'm cool with it. Um, I, I did criticize the movie for the lens flares, but I mean, it didn't ruin the movie for me. I mean, I was like, oh, that's a lot of lens flares. Yeah, but that's just that's Abrams. <laughs> that's his that's his thing. Does he do that in know. other movies too? I, I think that's the I think that's the stereotype of Abrams. I don't think it's true, but I think that's just the stereotype people make up about him. I don't know. I mean, did Rogue One have a lot of lens flares? I don't think I don't know. I don't think so. It, it had some. So um bit of bit of trivia for the for the Star Trek remake. Did you know that the majority of the engineering stuff in the movie and places in Nero's imprisonment place were filmed mm -hmm. in the Budweiser brewery in LA. No, that's yeah. interesting. So when you see all like tanks and pipes and all that stuff in engineering in the enterprise, it's the Budweiser brewery. That's so crazy. You know, and what's really interesting about that is you think like a brewery would be very like, like you imagine like, oh, wood and old copper pipes. And it's like, no, no, breweries are probably extremely very clean, look like more like mega labs than they do like old timey breweries from the past. I've been on quite a few brewery tours and they're always like they look real clean and industrial with like big giant tanks and lots of pipes going between them. And it looks like the engineering bay of a ship. That's interesting. I should go to a brewery one time. That sounds like it'd be fun. Yeah. Smells bad. Just warn you. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Smells bad. Smells real bad. I like when I went to the brewery at um, when I went to Bush Gardens for the first time when I was a kid, the Anheuser-Busch Brewery is right next door and they do a brewery tour where you like you go down this long skywalk towards the brewery 
And as we're, and I was a little kid, and I remember as we're walking down the skywalk, the smell just getting worse and worse and worse. And you're like halfway down, and you're hit with this odor that you're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst smell I've ever smelled. <laughs> and then, and you think that it can't get worse, and then you get to the end of the skywalk, and it's ten times worse than it was when you were halfway down the skywalk. Oh, jeez. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, when you understand what alcohol is, it's basically just you know bacteria poop nice description that's exactly what it is yeah i'm i'm sure that's oversimplified oh yeah obviously but (laughs) yeah it's the byproduct of bacteria eating sugar so i don't think we're gonna do part three of this discussion next week we'll probably just we'll probably just revisit star trek in the future when the three of us can be on when we don't have another topic planned because i want to talk about more of the movies with other people who've seen them. I just want to share what we're talking about. Star Trek four is my favorite one. I believe the name of the episode was the voyage home. Um, start or the name of the movie, Star Trek four. Yeah. The voyage home. Um, it is immediately after the events of Star Trek three, the return of Spock and the main crew of the enterprise travels back in time to modern day, which was whenever this was filmed in the 80s. And Mm -hmm. they're going around San Francisco interacting with people from that day. Wow, that is interesting. It's funny. It's written as a comedy. Do the people of the modern day know them as the Star Trek characters from the movie? No, why would they? Well, um, what? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, you're that guy in that TV show. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm a captain. No, no, you're not at all. I don't think that shows did meta back then. (laughs) That would have been great, though. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, It's it's directed by Leonard Nimoy. And I mean, and I believe he also directed Three Men and a Baby. I, I could be wrong on that. I'm not going to look it up, but I'm pretty sure he did. Um, he directed a few movies. It has a lighter feel than most Star Trek. They go, they have to save the world. Um, humpback whales are extinct, and they need a humpback whale to save the world. <laughs> so they go back in time to get a humpback whale. Yeah, this really is the plot of the movie. That makes no fucking sense. It does, actually. I'm not going to tell you why, but it does. (laughs) So they go back in time to get a humpback whale because they need one to save the world. And the crew of the Enterprise has to navigate the the ancient past for them. And it's hilarious. It's like each crew member has like a funny interaction with people in the modern day, especially Chekhov. Oh, yeah. Well, because he's Russian and it's the 80s. Oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> red scare and all that yeah it's it's fantastic it's just uh-huh. amazing movie there's a scene in that movie where members of the crew are walking down the street one of the members of the crew is sulu and mm-hmm. this is just a funny story there's a scene where he looks into a building and through a window and they're just like walking down the street it's a sideways shot and it's supposed to like make them look curious about the time well, George Takai tells a story about, so they're walking through and he thought he would lean over and look into this window. It's a dark window, so you can't see what's what's on the other side while you're watching. Oh, okay. Yeah. But George Takai said when he looked through the window, a woman flashed him. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's pretty fantastic. Now, is it Takai or Takai? I thought it was George Takei. I don't know. Maybe it is Takei. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're right. It might be. I don't know. Pe- people tell us. How is George Takei pronounced? Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm sure it's been really interesting for us talking about Star Trek. <laughs> like, I don't remember this. And I don't remember that. Let me look it up. <laughs> I got to look up stuff. It is Takei. <laughs> and George Takei wrote it on his Twitter. It's pronounced George Takei, not Takei. You you are correct. But he also says, I don't mind Takai because that means expensive. He said, I don't care when people call me that. <laughs> well, that's good. Okay, I'll have to watch that movie. That sounds entertaining as all hell. That really does sound fun. Yes. Yeah, I, I, 
I have always thought it was my favorite. I think it was the only one I saw when I was a kid, too. And I've returned to it many, many times. I've watched it with my brother. I really like that episode. I like that episode a lot. I, or movie. I like that movie a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like the third time you called it an episode. We're a professional podcast, folks. Just want to let you know. Uh, Totes, guys. Yeah. You know what? It's probably going to be a short episode because we're adding out a gi- giant chunk of silence. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that was our horrible discussion of Star Trek. And it's mostly because Michael wouldn't be here. It was entertaining. What do you mean horrible? I, I had fun. I had fun. I, I like I'm glad we got a chance to talk about next gen. I blame Michael for not being here. I think we would have had a better discussion. Yeah, Michael, it's all your fault if you're listening, which you are. Oh, my God. Well, you know, he is shutting the fuck up right now, so I am getting my wish. <laughs> I'm going to laugh if he's, like, driving his car listening to this and he's just yelling, I'm not shutting up! You know, we do this show to, to talk and have fun and, you know, enjoy talking about something and have a nerdy conversation. I hope you guys like that, too, because, you know, we're not... We're not Star Trek experts. It's hard to even call us Star Trek fans. We like the show. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I think, I, I mean, it's funny. It's like both of us have watched the entire Next Generation series, and we're we're remembering it like it's an ancient show. Yeah, it's so weird. I wonder and why. It's funny because we both love it. Like when, when I watch BBC America, I'll – I'll flip through the channels and they they'll play Star Trek Next Generation on BBC America all day. It's on there yeah. all day. They do it all, all the time. time. Yeah. So but whenever I get to it, I always watch it when I'm flipping through the channels and it's on BBC America. I will always watch Star Trek The Next Generation. And most of the time I'm going, I don't remember this episode. <laughs> I don't remember seeing this. When did this happen? I think at some point I fell through a portal and went into an alternate reality. <laughs> because I'll be watching I'll I'll pop on a show and just be like I don't I don't think I've ever seen this before but you had to have uh I you know I do the same thing with Next Gen I'm mean, with uh, Deep Space 9 and I love that show I'm I'm a fanatic about that show I love Deep Space 9 I I I never did watch all of Voyager I didn't really like it that much I didn't mention that last oh. week that I wasn't a big fan of Voyager what? I guess I guess it's because it's Michael's favorite, so I didn't mention it. Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't really know. I think maybe I was bored with Star Trek at that point. Mm. Okay. So, all right. I think that's enough. I So, what do I got going on right now? I dropped by SoCal Games and Comics, and I got Volume 2 of Birthright. Volume 1 I got last week. I mentioned it on the show. I read a little bit of it earlier when... Anthony was checking on his baby, and it's pretty cool still. I was told at the comic book store that shit goes down in volume three. So looking forward to that. I got issue number two of the new run of Exo Man of War um, and Faith number 11 out of the three of these. I'm probably most excited about Birthright and Faith. I only got Exo Man of War because I was promised it gets better. And I I'm sure it's a wonderful comic. I just um, not real familiar with the character and the new run doesn't seem to be going into the character very much. It seems to be a new run for fans, not for people being introduced to it. Hmm. That's interesting. You ever heard of Exo Man of War? Nope. <laughs> um, Exo Man of War is um, what if Iron Man was an ancient Visigoth barbarian? Okay, sure. I guess they um, ran out of I well, guess they've ran out of backstories for no, Iron no, Man. No, um Exo Man of War is an old comic. It came out in the eighties. Um they're just doing new runs now and there's a lot of talk, but the, one of the reasons why I bought it when they recommended it was people in the comic book industry love this comic. It's about a barbarian who was kidnapped by aliens and he escaped by getting a super suit. And but when he got back to Earth he had been traveling at faster than light, so when he got back to Earth, it was um, it was in the far, it was in normal times. Yeah, it was his future. Modern. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I mean, I love the concept. The thing I haven't liked about these couple of issues is um, he hasn't worn the super suit. Oh, okay. 
And it's like, I don't know this character yet. I just know he's supposed to be this guy who wears a super suit and I haven't seen it yet. The other thing I got going on, I can't remember. I just could make fun of Michael for something, I think. Yeah, that's always good. Michael. Shut the fuck up. You're lame. You're lame. Okay. No, I can't be mean. I love you, Michael. I love you so much, Michael. <laughs> My God. I love you too, <laughs> oh, Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Do the dishes. Do you have anything going on? I think I got a new job. <laughs> Congratulations. I know. Everyone's going to be like, another new job? Jeez. Does this guy ever stay in one place? Yeah, the, the school I've been working at a lot, uh, a lot of the teachers there really liked me and they wanted me to apply to work there full time. So I did. And then I was told to uh, meet them Monday to fill out the paperwork to pr- to continue the process of hiring. Well, congratulations. It, it's a very, very fancy private school. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's ridiculously expensive, too. It's a that's a step up from working at a grocery store for sure. Um, there's a lot of things that are set up from working at a grocery store. <laughs> I hated that job. I really did. <laughs> God, I hate that job. I feel bad for anybody out there still working in the service industry. People are terrible and it's terrible serving them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our show. We had a nice little casual discussion about that show we watched. You know, what was it called? Star Trek? <laughs> Star Trek. Next Generation. Yeah. And we had a one-sided conversation about the movies. Yep, because I know nothing about them. I'm sorry, people. You don't people. watch nothing. I um, know. I'm sorry. I'm going to watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2 this weekend. So I oh, watched some joy. stuff. It's good. It's good. I, I, I will tell you that right when it starts, I started cracking up. Like, immediately at the beginning of the movie. Oh, man. That's that's a good sign. Yeah, it's it's a it's a highly entertaining film. Um, I'm gonna watch Rings today. Finally, I don't even know what that is. The third Ring movie. Oh, okay, okay. The one with what's his name from Big Bang Theory, Johnny Galecki, or however you pronounce that. I don't know. (laughs) I stopped watching that show like a year ago. I like that show. A lot of nerds seem to hate it. I was reading an article about it that describes it as nerd blackface. And I was like, I get where you're coming from, but it's a show. It's not. I mean, seriously, the I do have a criticism about Big Bang Theory. I don't think they represent women in the nerd world that well, because every girl on that show is just super anti nerdy stuff. And it's like that's super stereotypical. They they rarely meet anybody. Any I think they did one episode where they met a girl at the comic book store who was actually there because she was into comics. Yeah, and the one nerd kind of is is um fuck God now I can't remember the characters' names. Um, the girlfriend of of Sheldon, but she's a scientist. She's not exactly a nerd. She doesn't like any of the nerdy stuff, so she's not really even a nerd. Yeah, the well, and that you get into the whole geeks versus nerds argument. Where, you know, people who are into scientific things and academia could be considered nerds, where the three guys on the show are geeks. Mm. They're all into pop culture and so on and so forth. We should totally make this a topic. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how we could drag that out into a topic. (laughs) I really don't. Oh, you were you were you were joke. You weren't joking. I thought you were joking there for a second. I don't know how we could. I maybe we can. It it the three of us would definitely have to be here, but I'm sure that we will be much regularly the three of us for a while because we're getting to a new schedule. So, and I mean most of it us just being the two of us was just getting used to the new schedule because we're recording yeah. on Saturday mornings now instead of uh, Monday mornings. So it's it's been an adjustment. Also there were people who already had things on their calendar who need to cha- you know needed to need to make adjustments just wait for it to make sure we're committed to Saturdays. We don't have any specific topics scheduled next week. I I think we're just going to talk about music because we've been wanting to do that episode for a long time. Music sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be good. So, we had fun talking about Star Trek today. It was good. I just want to say if you want to get a hold of us you can do that on the nerd podcast radio facebook page or you could email me at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com michael dot oh mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com anthony dot he doesn't have an email address at no email address dot com twitter (laughs) 
at Super Vegan Brian, at Nerdcaster Mike, at Nerdcast Radio. We don't get a lot of reviews on our podcast on our podcast, and we get a lot of you. We we know we have over a hundred people listening to us every week. Um, so please take the time to review us. Um, we appreciate yeah. ratings. We want to climb the rating list on iTunes and Stitcher and and um, get likes and comments on SoundCloud. So um, interact with us through those platforms. If you have nothing nice to say, tell us what you think, and maybe we can make some adjustments to our podcast or um, or say, no, we like it the way it is. <laughs> It'd be really helpful, guys. Yeah, it, it definitely would. So that has been Nerd Podcast Radio. I had fun today. This has been Super Vegan Brian and Hindu Anthony. Hindu Anthony. This is Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Awesome. Say goodbye, Anthony. Cut him off. (laughs) Bye.